You're listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com. Good morning. So glad to be here. Uh, I was here a couple years ago. I remember some of your smiley faces. Glad to be here. I'm here with my uh, assistant, Ted. Ted, stand up. Ted was an assistant pastor with Rick at Calvary Chapel Santa Barbara back in the day. And um, we are ministry partners with you. So your church is a generous ministry partner. And we have planted 52 churches in six countries, U.S., Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador. No, not El Salvador. Guatemala, Costa Rica, and um, Peru and Colombia. I'm going to Peru on Wednesday. But um, you guys are partners in that, so thank you very much. And um, I did write a book about it recently, this idea of the local church being a sending hub. I gave Dr. D 20 of them today. So if you're in the school of ministry, you're getting a free one. But if you want to read a crazy story about a gringo that knew three words of Spanish, burrito, baño, y taco, that moved to Mexico and planted not only a a church, but a sending hub church. Sending hub is a church that plants churches that plants other churches. The story's all right here. It's over there. You could find it on Amazon. But um, honestly, so good to be here. I was talking to uh, Pastor Rick. And he was saying that a lot of you guys are going through storms and trials right now. Is that true? Or is life just really smooth up here in your beautiful place? You guys look great, but you're hiding it. But I think you're all going through things. So here's a question. Can Jesus save you in the storms of life? Can Jesus rescue you? Raise your hand if you believe that. If you have no hope and you're depressed, keep your hand down, but okay. Okay, most of you, most of you, good. Jesus can rescue you in the storms of life. Well, that reminds me of the pastor named Rick who lived in Solvang, and there was a giant storm that came. And I mean, everything was flooding. And so, you know, there was actually, the police said, everybody needs to get out of this area. And the police came to Rick's door and they said, excuse me, Rick, we need to take you away. There's flooding. And Rick said, nope, Jesus is gonna save me. Well, the house began to, his own house began to flood. There was four feet of water. A boat pulled up from the Coast Guard and said, excuse me, sir, we need to rescue you. He said, no, Jesus will come save me. The flood grew and grew and grew till he was sitting alone on his roof. A helicopter came in and said, sir, grab the ladder. We've got to save you from this flood. He said, no, thank you. Jesus will save me. Well, Rick ended up drowning and dying. And he he gets to heaven. He was a little upset, to be honest. He said, Jesus, I trusted you to save me in the storm. What happened? Jesus said, I sent three guys to save you. What more do you need? It's a true story, by the way. So, hey, if you're taking notes today, I hope there's a couple note takers. We're going to be studying verse by verse through a short passage, John 6 verses 15 to 21. John 6, verses 15 to 21 is our text. And if you're taking notes, here's the title today. Jesus in the storms of life. Jesus in the storms of life. One more time. That's the title of your notes. Jesus in the storms of life. Every Christian goes through storms and trials and difficulties. But there's good news. 
Jesus has promised that you're not alone. He is not, you are never alone in your storms and your trials. And we're gonna learn about that in the word today. And as we study verse by verse through this short story, we're gonna come across four lessons about Jesus in the storms of life. Four lessons about Jesus in the storms of life. If your life is getting racked by storms and trials, I really hope you'll take the time to write these down because it's gonna bring you support and encouragement and hope today. Again, one more time, four lessons about Jesus in the storms of life. So if you got your Bible or phone, tablet, John chapter six, that's gonna be our text. And we're gonna begin with this story in verses 15 to 17. John six, verses 15 to 17. Reading there, therefore, when Jesus perceived they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. He got into the boat and went over the sea towards Capernaum, and it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Now, we're in the middle of the life and ministry of Jesus here, and I, I want to give you the background of the story. So Jesus has done that famous miracle. He feeds 5,000 people with the fish and loaves. It's been super busy, and Jesus and the disciples are tired. And so what did Jesus do when he got really tired? He got alone with the Father. And that's what Jesus is trying to do here. He wants to get alone, not with the disciples. He loved them, but he didn't want to be with them. He wanted to get alone and pray with the Father. And as he goes to pray, he tells the disciples, you get in this boat, sail across the Sea of Galilee. I'll meet you on the other side. Very important. He said, I'll meet you on the other side. The gospels tell us that. And the disciples get in the boat. And when they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, a huge storm hits them. And what we're going to learn today is how to respond and how not to respond when the storms of life come crashing in. So if you're taking notes, here's a definition. What am, what am I talking about when I'm saying the storms and trials of life? What, what are these? Here's a super simple definition. Storms and trials are the problems, difficulties, and challenges of life. One more time. They're the problems, difficulties, and challenges of life. You guys know anything about that? <laughs> Raise up your hand if you've faced at least one trial in the last 40 years. Okay. Raise up two hands if you've been getting just crammed with these recently. If your life's really miserable, just no, no. <laughs> yeah. We've all been through them, and a lot of you guys are going through those things right now. And man, they come at us in, in a bunch of different ways. Relationship storms. Uh, storms in our marriage. Storms with prodigal kids. Financial storms. Health storms. Man, they come at us in so many different ways. And if we don't have a spiritual mindset, those things trash us and we lose hope. Okay? But, but believe it or not, we're going to see this. God has a plan to use your storms for good. Do you believe that? Tell me amen if you believe God can use storms for good. You believe Romans 8.28 here? That God works all things for good to those who love him who are called according to his purpose. So we don't get to avoid him and the disciples didn't avoid him either. Jesus tells them to get in the boat, right? Jesus doesn't say come to the mountain and pray. He says, you guys get in the boat and check out what happened. Would you read verses 16 and 17 one more time? 
When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. God in the boat went over the sea towards Capernaum. It was already dark and Jesus had not come to them. Hey, if you're taking notes, this brings up our first lesson about Jesus in the storms of life. Here it is, number one. You'll be tempted to believe that Jesus not, is not with you and you're alone. I'm gonna repeat these three times because I see some of you taking notes. You're gonna be tempted to believe that Jesus is not with you and you're alone. One more time. You'll be tempted to believe that Jesus is not with you and you're alone. Satan tempts us. Is it a sin to be tempted? Yes or no? No, it's not. It's not. Jesus got tempted. It is not a sin to get tempted. But 100% of the time, when you're really getting racked with trials and storms, Satan will tempt you. No one cares. Pastor Rick doesn't care. Jesus doesn't even care. He'll tempt you with those lies. And he'll make you feel alone. He wants you to feel isolated. He wants you to lose hope. But don't forget this promise, Hebrews 13, 5. The Messiah speaking this, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. What did Jesus say right before he went to heaven? I'll be with you to the end, end of the age, right? And we know he's with us right here. He's promised to be with you. He's even able to use every storm and trial for good. I came across an illustration that I wanna share with you. It's the illustration of the bar of steel. Pretend that you guys have a 200-foot TV up here and you're looking at a big, ugly bar of steel, okay? 200-inch, excuse me, because I think a 200-inch TV would be cool hanging up right here. <laughs> bar of steel, ugly, costs five bucks, okay? Little bar of steel. When the bar of steel is bent and beaten into a horseshoe, it's worth 10 bucks, when an ugly five-buck bar of steel is manufactured into tiny needles, pounded and, and, and fried and cut, okay, it's worth 350 bucks. When a piece of junk, $5 piece of steel is chopped and fired in the furnace into, made into the parts of expensive watches, it's worth 250 grand. But just sitting in a hardware store, it's ugly and it costs five bucks. Guys, but it becomes valuable when what? It's going through these blazing hot furnaces. And man, if that bar of steel could cry and scream, it would. Ouch, no! Put me back on the wall. No. But guys, as it's hammered and beaten and pounded and polished, it becomes more and more valuable. And guys, you grow that same exact way. Your maturity and usefulness grows, not sitting on a beach in Maui in a bikini, sucking on a coconut, okay? <laughs> Sounds like it'd be fun, but your faith doesn't grow out there, okay? Your faithfulness and your maturity and your usefulness grows as you're molded and pounded and full of faith in the trials and storms of life. Hey, let's continue verse by verse and read verse 18 up to the first half of verse 19. Verse 18 and the first half of verse 19. Then the sea rose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, we'll stop right there. The disciples in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, I was just there uh, three or four months ago with our church. A great storm hits them 
And guys, these were experienced fishermen. A lot of them had grown up on the Sea of Galilee. That was their job, fishing, right? You guys know those stories. And man, they're trying to get to shore. They can't make it. They can't make it. These are experienced fishermen and they're fearing for their lives. This was a storm that they'd never experienced, okay? And, and here's the crazy thing. Jesus had purposely sent them into the storm. Isn't that mean of Jesus? Yes or no? All right. There's a, there's a sister that's tired of the storms. So I'll be honest with you. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Jesus sent them, but don't forget the little promise. I'll meet you on the other side. They forgot that part, by the way. In the middle of the storm, they forgot that part. And don't worry, I'm right with you. I told God that this morning as I was studying. The disciples are in fear of their lives, forgetting that Jesus had purposely put them in this storm, forgetting that he'd say, I'll meet you on the other side. Man, if I was God, let me be honest with you guys, it would be totally different. If I was God, the second someone's born again, it'd be blessing to blessing to blessing straight to heaven. Wouldn't that be cool? But imagine why people would come to Jesus if that's how it worked. Because they're sinners in need of a savior? No, hey, I want the better life. Let's get your best life now. Oops, did I sound like Joel Osteen? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's not how this life works. You know, God's path for you includes a bunch of trials and storms of life. Here's a million dollar question, why? Why? Because Jesus wants to grow you and use you. Jesus wants to grow you and use you. Turn to your neighbor right now, tell him Jesus wants to grow you and use you. Now tell him the bad news, and he's going to use big storms to do it. <laughs> Neighbor, turn and say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. It's true. Not all, but a big part of your growing process is allowing you to go through storms and trials of life. That's what's happening with the disciples, okay? Okay. And again, because Jesus knows this is when they, you grow the most. Again, not on vacations. Vacations are great, okay? We grow the most in the storms and trials of life. It's just how the work, life works. Hey, note takers, this brings up a second lesson about Jesus in the storms of life. Here it is. Storms are part of this world because this isn't heaven. Storms are part of this world because this isn't heaven. This isn't heaven. I remember before I, I went into the ministry, I was complaining to my pastor about life and it's so hard and this and that. And, and you know, he was sympathetic, but I, I'll never forget what he told me. Mike, this isn't heaven. Stop pretending like it is. Heaven's real. We're going there. There's no storms and trials there, but this isn't heaven. Why do you expect this to be heaven on earth? You know, we live in a life in a world under the control of the evil one. You guys see it, right? Yeah, we see it. And, and so don't expect this to be heaven. This isn't heaven. Heaven's coming. Heaven's eternal. No more trials or tears or pain or suffering and praise God. But this is not heaven. We live in a fallen world. And we as Christians have to face the same storms and trials that non-believers around us face, okay? 
Listen to what Jesus said about this in the Sermon on the Mount. I want to read to you from Matthew 5.45. Jesus talking to believers here, you guys. Matthew 5.45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and the good. Blessings. We know the world gets God's blessings, right? And he sends rain, difficulties on who? The just, the righteous, and the unjust, the world as well. In the upper room discourse, that last teaching Jesus gave before he went to the cross, John 16, 33, such an important verse. If you're going through trials, write this down. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you might have tribulation. Uh-uh, I made that up. That's in the new Mike version. Jesus didn't say that though. Oh, I wish he would have, but he didn't. Let me read it again, the real version. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why? I have overcome the world. And I was talking to Pastor Rick last week and, and you know, hey, what do you want me to teach on? And, and he said, hey, all I know is my people love Jesus and they're all going through really big trials. So you pray and you figure it out. But just know, this is a great church full of godly people that love Jesus and Satan is doing overtime, attacking the people here. And as I prayed, God gave me this message. And so, and here's, here's why I'm encouraged. There's a bunch of people worshiping, praying, studying the Bible, asking God to speak not laying in bed sleeping off a hangover this morning. You know what I mean? You guys are here. You're in the middle of the storm and yet here you are, okay? And that may not feel like victory, but listen carefully, friends. That is victory. That is spiritual victory, okay? When your life's going through the ringer, but you have not quit, you have not given up, you're here and you're saying, Lord, I love you, I'll worship you in the good times and the bad, but please encourage me. Please give me hope. Please give me wisdom to get through these things that I'm going through right now, okay? And so you guys, you know, it may not feel like victory, but this is spiritual victory. You're in the storm and here you are worshiping the Lord anyway. There's a famous story about a believer that handled an unspeakable trial well. I wanna share it with you. The year was 18... 70, and there was a guy named Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford. Any of you guys heard of him? Okay, a couple of you. Horatio Spafford is famous for writing the old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Okay, but if you don't know the story of how he wrote it, it's incredible. Let me tell it to you. So he was a great on fire believer, businessman, and things like that. He sent his wife and his four daughters on a ship across the Atlantic, okay, 150 years ago, no planes, on a ship across the Atlantic to help out with an evangelistic crusade, okay? God, I am sending my whole family over there to an evangelistic crusade. I'm gonna follow in a couple weeks to go on a different ship and we'll work in this evangelistic crusade in England. The wife and four daughters got in the boat to cross the Atlantic in the middle of the Atlantic, they hit another vessel and it sank in 12 minutes. In the middle of the Atlantic. Um, a few survivors made it onto that other vessel. 
And this, this, they, the, the survivors uh, arrive in England, including the wife, but not the four daughters. And she sends him a, a cable, saved alone, but all is lost. Saved alone, but all is lost. The four girls are drowned out there. So Horatio Spafford jumps on a boat to join his wife in England, and they arrive at the place in the ocean where the four girls drowned and died. And that is when he wrote the famous hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And I want you to listen to the main words to that famous hymn. I wish I had your guys' amazing worship team up here because they could sing it, but I'm just gonna say it. When peace like a river, he's at the spot of where his daughter's drowned. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Is that amazing? Can you imagine that kind of faith? In the middle of this, but yet he so believed in, in the God of his salvation, he so believed in heaven, he so believed in eternity that he wrote that famous hymn in the middle of that storm and, and, and 150 years of the church have been able to be blessed. So getting back to our story, the disciples are in the middle of this storm. They're fearing for their lives in the Sea of Galilee and they were about to get a very special visitor. Let's continue on and read all of verse 19. All of verse 19. So when they, the disciples, had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, drawing near the boat, and they were full of faith. <laughs> what? Oh, excuse me. Drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. Can't really blame them, guys. They're in the middle of this giant storm, and they see a white figure walking on the water, right? Is it possible to walk on water? Okay. How about anyone other than Jesus? I, actually, there's a couple bugs and animals that walk on water. I saw it on YouTube. Because I was going to say no, and then I looked up YouTube walking on water. There's these lizards and little bugs. But actually, besides Jesus, no one ever walked on water, right? Someone did? He did? Yeah. Yeah, Peter did. He took a few, he took a few steps out, didn't he? And, and as long as he looked at who, he walked on water? Jesus. But when he looked at the storm, what happened? Woo, yeah. That's a different story, though, okay? But yeah, it's an awesome lesson, though. It's a really awesome lesson, but that's not our story today. But so they're in the middle of this storm, and look who appears, middle of verse 19. They saw Jesus walking on the sea, drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. Something you have to understand, friends, this storm was not a surprise to Jesus. Your, your storm is not a surprise, okay? Jesus ain't in heaven going, Father, look at them. Whoa, it's out of control. I guess we forgot about them, right? Uh -uh. Your storm is not a surprise to heaven. Jesus knew exactly what was going on. He knew they were struggling in the storm. But here's something crazy. At first, Jesus did nothing about it. He let them struggle for a while on purpose. He watched them. Why doesn't he rescue them right away? Can you think of why? He's like a wise parent, okay? 
Parents that make every single decision for their kids and control everything their kids do until they're 40, their kids are sitting in the basement playing video games. Don't give me an amen and point to a 40-year-old, please. Because that would never happen to you guys, right? Wise parents, and you, you got to let your kids struggle a little bit, okay? You have to. You have to. And it's hard. It's really hard. But, but if you good parents, you've done that. And Jesus is a wise parent. He wants his kids to grow spiritually. He wants them to develop some spiritual muscles. So Jesus, listen carefully, delays the rescue. Write that down, note takers. From time to time, Jesus delays my rescue. From time to time, Jesus delays my rescue. Mean Jesus. No, no, not mean Jesus. He wants to give you some time to grow in your faith. He wants to test your faith. He wants you to learn to trust him in the storm. That's why he leaves you for a while. Not forever. He, he, he leaves you for a while because he wants you to learn to trust him in the storm. And in the middle of the night, the middle of the storm, Jesus comes to the disciples in a way they never would have expected. And, and I think you've all been there. I know I have. There's nothing good that can come out of this. It's all gonna fall apart. Have you guys ever thought like that? Raise your hand if you've thought like that. Be honest. Okay. There is nothing that can bring this. It's over. Marriage is over. Life's over. Business is over. Whatever. And then Jesus comes and does something that you never would have thought. Because we have like three options, right? Jesus can do this, this, and this. It has to be one of these three. And have you ever noticed he never follows your demands? You guys know that? Jesus isn't good at taking instructions from me. I've learned that. I, I give them. I give them. I give them options. Lord, one, two, and three. Here's your options, Lord. And, and, and it's never one, two, or three, right? This brings up a third lesson about Jesus and the storms of life. Number three, Jesus will come to you in ways you don't expect. One more time. Number three, Jesus will come to you in ways you don't expect. Finally, Jesus will come to you in ways you don't expect. I was thinking about this this week. What are some different ways that Jesus will show up in your storms of life? Words of wisdom. Words of wisdom from a fellow believer. For you husbands here, listen carefully. Jesus will come to you in your storms of life through wisdom, words of wisdom from your wife. Wives, you have uh, the free reign from the pastor, even though I'm a visitor, to elbow in the gut right now. Because I know your ladies are saying, God's speaking now. God's speaking now. But he ain't listening. Okay. Yeah. Jesus will visit you through the word of God. Through the word of God. Word of God speak. Give me a word. Jesus will speak to you through times of prayer, through listening. Does Jesus scream in your heart? No, he comes how? Still small voice. Still small voice. I want to encourage you in your times of prayer, and this is super hard to do, by the way. We give our requests, and a lot of times you just hit the road because you're all busy. But if you could just try and quiet your heart and quiet your mind and just say, God, speak so your servant hears. Just try it for like five minutes. 
You're going to think of all the things you need to do and you're in a hurry and all this stuff, but just give God a chance to speak through the still small voice. And, and I bet if you put God to the test in doing that, you'll, you'll get an impression on your heart from the Spirit and, and he'll speak something to you. Just try that if you've never tried it. He's going to come in a bunch of different ways and you need to have faith to recognize Jesus. Okay, the disciples are, 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 they're really worried for their lives here. And at their deepest point of despair, there's no hope. We're goners. We're professionals, fishermen, and we can't get out of this. We're going to drown out here in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. They get a visit from Jesus. And how do they respond when Jesus shows up? Great faith and open arms, right? <laughs> Jesus, we knew you'd be here. Come on in. No, no way. They, they are full of doubt. They're full of fear. And they start freaking out when Jesus comes. They think he's a ghost. Oh no, Casper has come to kill us all. <laughs> Guys remember Casper the friendly ghost? Nobody under 40 does. <laughs> yeah, how ridiculous. But because he didn't come to them in one of their three ways, they missed him. They missed him. Now, Here's a cool thing. Even though they blew it and they didn't have faith, he still came. Can I get an amen? amen? Okay, that's super important, okay? Even when we don't have faith and we're not looking for him and we miss him when he comes, he still comes. <laughs> and I love that. Paul puts it this way, Paul the apostle. Even when we're faithless, he is what? Faithful, faithful. Super important Bible promise. But it's important that you expect Jesus to come and keep your eyes on Jesus in the storm, like Peter did for just a minute. Peter did the impossible when he kept his eyes on Jesus. I love these instructions in Hebrews 12 too. Check it out. Hebrews 12 too. Let us fix our eyes on the storm. No. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who is what? The author and perfecter of our faith. So Jesus comes. The disciples totally miss it. They don't recognize Jesus in the storm. So why not? Three reasons why the disciples missed Jesus when he came. Number one, they weren't expecting him to come that way. They weren't, you know, can you blame them? You know, they weren't expecting Jesus to be walking on the water in the middle of the Sea of Galilee at midnight in a storm, okay? They weren't expecting him to come that way. Number two, a lack of faith. They didn't believe he'd come. There's no hope. We're done. We're goners. As they lost hope, that caused them to miss Jesus when he did came. And number three, only focusing on the storm. Just like Peter did when he started to sink. Only focusing on the storm will keep you from seeing Jesus when he comes. But even their lack of faith, he still came. If that's good news for you, tell me amen. 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 Hey, we'll finish up our study by reading verses 20 and 21. Let's read those verses together, please. Verses 20 and 21. But Jesus said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. So the disciples are freaking out at first. They think Jesus is a ghost, but I love what Jesus does next. You losers, I can't believe you missed me. I need to find 12 new guys. <laughs> he didn't say that, did he? What did Jesus say? Verse 20, do you see it there in your Bible? 
But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Church, this is important that you see the exact words that Jesus said, because these are the words that Jesus will bring to you in the middle of your storm, especially when you feel like you're about to lose it all, okay? It is I, do not be afraid. And you know, a lot of you raised your hands. You're in the middle of a storm right now. Some of you have even, if you were to be honest, lost a little hope, you know? I can't see how this thing will ever be fixed. This trial, this storm I'm in. Here are the words Jesus wants you to hear as he comes to you this morning through the pages of your Bible. It is I, do not be afraid. It is I, do not be afraid. Now, Jesus doesn't tell him what he's gonna do. Well, what are you gonna do about the situation, Jesus? How are you gonna fix it, Jesus? He doesn't do all the explaining. Have you ever noticed that? Jesus doesn't share his plans with you ahead of time. Have you guys ever noticed that? Do you know why? Do you know why? Because if he shared the way he's going to fix your situation, oh no, that's not, that's not gonna work, Jesus. Let me share with you some more wisdom so I've got a better plan. He knows you're gonna say that and think that, so he just saves a little argument and he doesn't even tell you what he's gonna do. And then... When he rescues you, you go, wow, I wasn't expecting that. I was, wow, this was your plan? All right, Lord, I, I wasn't expecting that. I get to go visit church plants all the time. And I'm a big planner like some of you. I plan everything. We're gonna do this and that, and we're gonna go here and we're gonna do this at the church. And, and my plans, 100% of the time, never work. 100% of the time. And I used to get frustrated. But now I'm like, all right, Jesus, you got another plan. Let's just find out what, what he's going to do, you know? And it always works out fine, but it's always different than my plan. I still do plan, but now I don't get that frustrated because I'm like, hey, guys, here's what I'm hoping we'll do. But if God has another plan, which he probably does, we're just going to roll with it. And we're not going to be all frustrated about it like I used to be. But he comes in the middle of the storm. He's coming to you this morning in the middle of the storm. And he says, my precious child, it is I, do not be afraid. Now, he doesn't tell you the plan. He has one. He has one, but he doesn't tell it to you. It's going to unfold. Write this down. God just put this on my heart for some of you right now. God's will unfolds for my life one step of faith at a time. God's will unfolds for my life one step of faith at a time. One more time. And I'm going to explain it. God's will for my life unfolds one step of faith at a time. So, so God will come to you in your storm, and he doesn't lay out the whole plan. He's going to ask you to take one step of faith, okay, to move towards him, to, to move towards healing or move towards getting out of the storm. And after you take that step, and only after you take the step, he will open and unveil another step. Okay? I like to call it progressive revelation. God guides us as kids through progressive revelation. He never lays out the whole plan for us. Not really. You know? He wants us to take one step of faith, and then he'll open another one. And progressively, he reveals this will. I've seen it so many times in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of believers. And I, and I know it, he's working the same way with you. So church, I want to finish up this sermon with some really good news today.
God is going to get you through your storm. Give me an amen. amen. Okay, God is going to get you through your storm. He got the disciples through the storm. The storm is not the end. The storm was not the end of the disciples. Could you imagine how depressing our Bible would be? And Jesus came to them, waved, and they all sank and drowned in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> Aren't you glad the story didn't end like that? Yeah, it didn't. He comes and check out what happens next. Would you read verse 21 one more time? Then they, what? Willingly received him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Storm over, Jesus with them, big lesson taught, okay? And this brings up our fourth and final lesson about Jesus in the storms of life. Number four, Jesus will come to you and deliver you out of your storms. Jesus will come to you and deliver you out of your storms. You don't have to figure out how we'll do it, okay? Because you'll usually be wrong. But you have to believe that he will come. You have to believe that he's able. Jesus gets in the boat with the disciples. Instantly, the storm is over. The storm of life ended and they survived it. And that's something really important. Because what Satan loves to do he loves to kick us when we're down. And honestly, many times when they're really bad storms, and some of you are in those right now, this is the end. There's no hope. I can't get out of this one. The guest pastor has no idea what I'm going through. And I don't. Okay? But the storm is not the end. Storms end on the earth after some time. Okay? Do a few storms end in eternity? Yeah. And then you go home. And you're going, this is the best end of all. But not usually, not usually. Usually there's storms we go through. There's a purpose for them. We want to grow in our faith. And then the storm ends. And what happens after that? You get ready for the next one. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that because I want to end on a positive note. Okay. But that's something you need to remember about the storms of life. They eventually end. I, I like to do a little test. What were my five worst storms five years ago? What were my five worst storms five years ago? And you know what's crazy? I can't really even remember them. I can't remember them. Oh, I thought it was over back then. And I remember freaking out, losing faith, complaining, but I can't even remember them. But what I do know for sure is Jesus got me through every one. And so... If he was faithful then to me, if he was faithful to the disciples 2,000 years ago, I can trust in the middle of the storm I'm going through now that what? He will be faithful to me in this storm as well. Do you believe that? Yes. Amen. I believe you do. So our goal as Christians is to walk through the storms, okay? I, I have a saying I tell our church all the time. You know, there's nothing wrong with praying to go out, get out of the storms. I recommend it. I do it, okay? But there's sometimes when the praying has to end, okay? And, and, and let me explain. It's like, God, I've been praying for a month to get out of this storm. And you haven't answered that prayer. So now my prayer will, will change to this. Give me strength to get through the storm. Help me learn the lessons you want in this storm. I don't think that's failure, 
I think that's just acknowledging after a time of, of asking for God to deliver me, that now I'm go- my prayer is going to change. God could have delivered me. He didn't. Now I'm in the middle of the storm. So I'm not going to beg for a way of escape. I'm not going to run out of the storm. I'm going to say, God, give me strength to walk through it. And I add this, teach me the lessons you want me to learn. I, I pray that so much because I've learned the-, the quicker I learn the lessons, the quicker the storm ends. So that's a really, really effective prayer. God, give me strength to get through it because it's hard and teach me the lessons I want. I really want to learn these lessons so I can get out of here as quick as possible. (laughs) I don't add that, but he knows what I'm talking about. So Jesus will come to you, deliver you out. And we want to handle our storms and trials wisely by looking unto Jesus. Check out what Jesus said about this. uh, Sermon on the Mount again. Matthew 7, 24 and 25. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, beat on the house, but what? It did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. That's a believer you want to be. The believer that builds their house on the rock, storm still comes, It still hurts. It's still weird. It's still loud. It's still scary. We're tempted to think it might be over, but it does not fall because you're founded on the rock. God has promised you that he will get you through all of the storms of life. God has promised you that the storm you're in right now, he will get you through it and he will have a good purpose for it. So stand back with faith. Walk through the storm with faith. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Believe he has a purpose. Believe he has lessons to teach you. And watch for Jesus when he comes. Don't put Jesus in a box. Well, Jesus, you got three options to fix this. This, this, or this. Jesus, however you want to come to me, go ahead. Jesus, however you want to to visit me in this storm, whatever lesson you want me to teach, go ahead. I want to see you. I'm believing you'll come. I'm believing you're with me in this storm. I want to recognize your voice and I want to listen to your voice because I believe you've allowed this storm for a good purpose and I believe that you're going to get me through it. Thanks for listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com.